Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you ready? They think you can tell us what to do. You think you can tell us what to wear. You think that you're better. Well, you better get ready. To the masters, break it down. Thinking of waiting for something fool. We just got tired of doing what you told us to do. That's a freak, boy. Yeah, that's a freak, little man. Break it down. DJ Nation fam, what is up? What is happening? We got the main slate for you for week 13. It's your host, Ryan Williams. You can find me on Twitter at RyanAlexander underscore W. And I'm joined by my usual co-host, Mr. Kevin Steele at FantasyRat13. Kev, it's recovery day. We're getting over Turkey Day, the Thanksgiving slate. It was it was definitely a fun one and a roller coaster ride going into that late game. Uh, a lot of people disappointed by uh, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara's uh, lack of production. I was going to say production, but lack of production really is what it comes down to. Uh, we were talking pre-show just just about the slate and how you felt, and I think it kind of helps to paint the picture for this main slate. As I think there's a lot of spots that people will feel confident in going to and hitting, but there's always that chance that, um, you know, on any given Sunday, <laughs> the, uh, the slate can shape up to, to be what it is. So, so Kev, talk to the people, uh, real quick before we get into the slate, um, just about, uh, you know, I, I think what was important was just, uh, the strategy, uh, approach that we were taking on Thanksgiving and trying to find ways to, to be contrarian. And really that was, you know, pay up for the defense as the saints really attacked there in Atlanta, which was, which was just unbelievable with four sacks to end out the game. Um, something incredible that we haven't seen, but then also, you know, early on uh, in that bears lions game, you know, we had joked uh, on the podcast about you saying that, it would be a David Blow week and, and trying to figure out ways to get them. And it almost looked that way. So talk to the people just about your Thanksgiving and, and how the slate went for you real quick before we get into uh, this main slate here for Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it, it turned out, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a weird day, but I mean, I think that's how Thanksgiving always turns out. The Thanksgiving slate, you know, like, like there were certain players like, like Kenny Galladay, for example, nobody had Kenny Galladay. He was like 5% owned in like the main um, thing or the, the main slate and stuff like that. And I mean, he immediately popped off with a 75 yard touchdown and that pretty much knew exactly, okay, well, this is how this day is going to go <laughs> because I mean, he, he had a great day. I mean, I, he didn't have a ton of reception. I think he ended up like three for 130 and a touchdown, but that 75 yarder um, Blau was fine. Um, but he was somebody that nobody really knew anything about, you know, like you would have had to have gone back and watched like dug up his tape for his days at Purdue to know anything about him. Cause it's not like he was some heralded prospect. And so there was not really a lot to go off of with him. 
And on the other side, I mean, I think we were right on with, with, uh, you know, the Mitchell Trubisky to Allen Robinson and, and Anthony Miller, both of them were fine plays. Anthony Miller with what? 26 DK points. And then, uh, a Rob, excuse me, with 22, Mitchell Trubisky was the leading quarterback on the slate with 27 DK points. Um, so, I mean, yeah. that really worked out and that really worked out for us. Uh, we all love the bears defense. And of course that did not work out at all with only five. Um, but in the second game, you know, like there was, I mean, Zeke was fine. Like you didn't have to play him, but like, I mean, he was fine. I think he scored 20. The The Bills defense came out and really played. I mean, they were the lowest, they were lowest price defense on the slate at 2,200 and went out and gave you 12 or 13 um, DK points. So that was really solid. You know, uh, you know, Amari Cooper didn't do a whole lot. I mean, really nobody on the Dallas side of the football did a whole lot. And, you know, it was Cole Beasley who not many people were on. Uh, he was 4,700. Not many people played him. And, uh, you know, I, which I somewhat understand with it being Cole Beasley, but, uh, you know, and then the last game, like that was a really weird game that the, you know, Taysom Hill, uh, went out and, you know, scored two <laughs> touchdowns and really killed. Hearts. Yeah. The value of Michael Thomas and, so they got ahead and they didn't really have to do a whole lot and throw the balls nearly as much as they normally do. And so Michael Thomas did really nothing. And then Alvin Kamara really did nothing, you know, on the Falcon side of the football really it was not till late until they really got something going. But you know, whether you played uh Russell Gage or Christian Blake or, 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 you know, um, Calvin Ridley, they, they all kind of worked out with Jaden Graham as well. So, um, you know, it, it was just a weird day and you know, the lineup construction yeah. was kind of weird too. Well, yeah, and it, it, I think that kind of, you know, pivots us into into Sunday here where, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people talking about the same plays, talking about the same ways to attack. Um, and so, you know, it's going to be a great week, I think, for tournaments uh, and tournament builds because, you know, one or two pivots will uh, lead you, I, I think, in a, in a good direction to set yourself up to not uh, – be sharing first place with people. And um, it it just goes to show, and I, and I wanted to paint that picture uh, from the Thanksgiving slate. It just goes to show you that, you know, these guys who are in premier matchups, like anything can happen. So uh, let's talk about the slate, Kevin. And for those of you um, who may be new, it it is week 13, but we still are getting new people in from the Thanksgiving show and and from week 12 as well. So for those of you guys who are new and don't know the format that we usually go with, uh, we break this down on DraftKings uh, by position. So we'll be starting off with the quarterback and kind of just moving our way down. And and Kev, let's, you know, let's let's do something for the people as we've seen the numerous comments over the year. They want to know, you know, what where are we planning our flag and what are the premier plays that we're doing? So we we'll talk about the overall positions and then we'll give our we'll give our top three maybe that we're looking to um, to target at each one of these positions as we go through. Let's start it off with quarterback, though, Kev. And we got Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson at the top, who are your only seven K plays. I think both of them make for, you know, great options in tournaments. I I would probably lean uh, Pat Mahomes more so in cash. This Oakland uh, defense has given up the the fourth most DK points uh, two quarterbacks over the year. Uh, we've targeted quarterbacks against them all year. And it, I mean, it's Pat Mahomes, like, let's not get it twisted. This guy can go out there and, and post the highest, um, post the highest score on the slate anytime he's out there. And we really haven't had a chance to play him all that much, Kev, on the main slate with the injury that he had and also just KC having primetime games this year. So I love getting to Pat Mahomes in, in tournaments, especially with him being the highest priced 
quarterback and really him and Lamar both have upside. But if I had to go with one, I'd lean Pat Mahomes. Uh, I want to just, you know, let's kind of just talk about our favorite plays, Kevin, then we can open up for some of these other guys. Uh, so another guy that I like, and you have to scroll down um, to get to him is uh, where is he? So Nick Foles, he comes in at 5,700. He's a guy that really hasn't been on a lot of people's radars over the past couple of weeks because he had missed so much time and, you know, really hasn't been talked about a, a lot amongst the industry. But we have back to back weeks here against Indianapolis and Tennessee, two very, you know, slow paced defense or slow paced teams and really prolific defenses and kind of like containing um, point scored and he threw for 48 and 47 times in his first two games back. So I'm looking at this and I'm loving the volume that I'm seeing. And then you've, you're taking into account, he's going against Tampa Bay, one of the worst uh, pass funnel defenses there is out there, I guess, best, however you want to look at it. Um, and the narrow distribution of targets that you get with Nick Foles. I mean, you pay, you compare him up with a DJ Chark, who's really not, he's priced up, but not to where his production's been. Um, Chris Conley's been a deep target and Dede Westbrook. Um, they really don't have a tight end to go to. Even Leonard Fournette, if you wanted to get super contrarian, I think by paying, you know, for Nick Foles and maybe Fournette in this game, because I think this Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, I'm not sure what the over-under is at. Kev, you might know better, but this has a chance to be a sneaky shootout, I think, um, in my eyes, just because of the way that uh, Tampa Bay plays and with Jameis throwing the ball a lot too, and he could turn it over. Um, I, I think a lot of, of of good plays can come from this game. And so I really like Nick Foles at this price tag at 5,700. It just feels too cheap. And he really hasn't popped off yet, even though he's kind of flirted with the 300 yard bonus. He had no touchdowns in that Tennessee game, um, but still got almost 15 DK points. So I, I really like Nick Foles. I'm not sure. Uh, I probably more so for tournaments for me. Um, I, I do love cash this week, Kev, just because, and we can talk about it at the skill positions, but there's so many just good options that are cheap that you can go to. So I love making cash teams this week to kind of get exposure to some of these guys who are going to be chalked, but Nick Foles in tournaments, I think is great. Um, and then the other guy that I wanted to touch on as well, too, um, was going to be Carson Wentz. So Carson Wentz is just $200 more than uh, than Nick Foles, as we were talking about. And he's on the road. But I mean, you know, Kev, Miami defense against quarterbacks, we've we just been targeting them all year. And Carson Wentz really hasn't, you know, given us the production we like seeing. He's really been flirting with this, you know, 12, 13, 14 point range over the past, guy, since the Minnesota game, it feels like. But, you know, you're looking at the attempts and they're always going to be there. And you're looking at the way Philadelphia attacks. And plus, with Jordan Howard being out this week, I think a lot of people will try and, and go to Miles Sanders. And I do like the Miles Sanders play. It just doesn't make me feel comfortable. Jay Ajayi's there and he's he has been getting work. So I don't think it's a slam dunk play. I'd much rather go the route of Carson Wentz. I think Alshon should be back this week. Um, you can play him naked almost essentially, or just with one of those guys, maybe you play him with Ertz. If you don't like the tight end position, if you play him with Alshon, Alshon's really cheap. Um, you don't have to go crazy with Carson Wentz. And I think he can hit in this spot. Um, we just saw Baker Mayfield who really had been kind of dead to people um, take down tournaments last week. I mean, he took down fan, the fan duel 300 K tournament. Somebody had Baker and Jarvis Landry. And then I think in the Millie, 
or, or I don't think the Millie was last week, but whatever the high price DK tournament was, Baker was in that winning lineup too. And, and quarterbacks against Miami all year have been, uh, have been a treat. So I definitely like getting to some Carson Wentz in tournaments um, with him being on the road, especially in a lot of people going to Miles Sanders. Kev, what say you at quarterback um, before we kind of open it up and maybe there's some other players that we can kind of touch on, but where, where do you land and, and who are the three people you think you'd plant your flag on this week? You know, we, we, we talked about this before the, sh- the before we got on and like, I, I feel like this slate is a pretty fun slate and one I really like, I think there's so, but the one thing is there's so many different directions you can go this week. It's not like where it's, it's sort of like filtered down to like one or two, like good plays. I feel like there are just so many different, uh, dif- different directions you can go. Uh, obviously, you can go Patrick Mahomes. He's he's he is uh, uh, not arguably he's in a definitively better spot than what Lamar Jackson is this week. Um, Lamar Jackson is at home. We know what he can do on the ground, so that kind of changes things for him. But the the passing, I mean, this is probably the truest test that they're gonna have that they've had all year. I mean, San Francisco's defense has been historically good um, in terms of limiting passing yeah. and running, getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, I know the I believe the. The Ravens lost a couple of their offensive linemen as well this past, uh, you know, uh, last week. So, like, this is, is going to be a true test for another true test for Lamar Jackson. And I, I just don't think he has the ceiling this week of, of Patrick Mahomes. Like, Patrick Mahomes can break this slate and go out and put up 40. Yeah, I, I think if you want to play Patrick Mahomes 7,400, yeah, sure. Um, and then from there, like, I think, you know, there's some decisions to be made. Like, I think Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, on the road against the Giants. The Giants have not been good against the pass. And, you know, I think this is a game where you know they're coming off a bye and they really need this game because they got embarrassed the last time they played against the 49ers and you know I I think that you know playing a I think what will be a low owned Aaron Rodgers uh, I, I think is, is a really good uh, who's, who's in a really good spot I think is uh, an excellent way to go you want to get leverage off of Pat Mahomes at 6500 um even like a, uh, you know, yeah. and then going down like Jared Goff at 6K. Like if you look at Jared Goff, like Jared Goff has been a train wreck this year, but in his matchups, like all the, I mean, the, his biggest games have all come against, you know, you, you look at Cincinnati, put up 25, Atlanta, 25, and then Tampa Bay, 27. Other than that, like you look at all those other games, every, every decent defense he's played, he is, he has been absolutely anemic. I think this is a week where he can get back right. You look at uh, over the last three games that Arizona has played, they've allowed uh, the most passing yards in the league, and it's not even close. They have allowed 366 yeah. yards per game over the last three weeks. The next closest is Tampa Bay at 320. And, and and so I mean even even just with within points allowed I mean they, they've allowed at least twenty eight points in each of the last three games as well so like I feel like this is a really strong game um, to target Jared Goff where I don't think he's going to have the ownership that he probably should in this matchup um, against the Cardinals and it, you know it is inside the dome and everything else um, in Arizona so I really like Jared Goff I don't say that very often but this is one of those matchups where I feel like that that, that you can target him and feel pretty comfortable with doing so. Um, the only way I don't think he would get there would be by some measure of uh, like T- Todd Gurley, um, you know, having a huge day or something like that on the ground. Other than that, I think Jared Goff's a fantastic spot. Whether you want to pair him with Cooper Cup, you want to pair him with uh, Brandon Cooks, who, um, you know, inside the yep. dome uh, feels better than, you know, when you normally would play him and or, or uh, Robert Woods. So I just feel like this is a big bounce back spot for them. And so playing Jared Goff at 6K is uh, something I really would like to do. Um, I think there's going to be people that want to play Derek Carr. I wouldn't do it. Not on, not on the coming off a of bye on the road in Arrowhead. Derek Carr 
traditionally struggles against the Chiefs, especially in Arrowhead. Um, he's much better at home than he is uh, in KC. So uh, even though he's fifty five hundred and you know he they are going to be trailing, I, I just can't do that. But my one of my favorite plays, and it, it ha- as soon as it was announced, it became one of my instantly one of my favorite plays. And I didn't even know how much he cost at the time because I wasn't paying attention to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's Andy Dalton. Here right? we go. Here it's, we go. It's, it's yep. Andy Dalton yep. week, boys. And uh, 4,700 is the, what, the second cheapest starting quarterback on this entire slate right behind Dwayne Haskins. It's hard not to want to play uh, Andy Dalton. I mean, this is a great matchup against uh, against the Jets. They're at home. Uh, the Jets are... are Almost elite against the run. You know, I was surprised when I was kind of looking into this. I mean, the Jets are number two in run DVOA. Uh, you know, like th- that was really surprising to me. But if you go back and look at Andy Dalton this year, um, he 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 wasn't terrible whenever he was playing. Like he he you know the his last week he played was week eight against the Rams. He put up twenty one. Jacksonville he put up twenty one. And then against Arizona he put up eighteen. I mean, he's put up at least eighteen and what five. Yeah, five of the seven games that he played. Uh, Seattle, yeah. he's put up 25. San Francisco, San Francisco, which is a defense that we've talked a lot about, how great they are. He put up 22. Some of that was in garbage time. But regardless of that, like Andy Dalton is in a fantastic spot at 4,700. It is the cheapest stack you can probably get to this week, whether you want to pair him with Tyler Boyd or an Auden Tate or even a Tyler Eifert. They all become in play. I don't want to play Joe Mixon. And, I, you know, this is a game that I feel like Cincinnati did this because they want to get a win. They don't want to go 0-16 and so that they inserted him back into the lineup and this is a matchup they can do that with and even though that the the the, the, the point totals for this game isn't as high as that I thought they would be um, now I think some of that was pre Andy Dalton but uh, knowing that he was going to start is when these lines came out but I think this has potential to be a shootout here with two really bad defenses and I, so I, I like, I, I love Andy Dalton this week. If you want to pay all the way down and then it kind of pretty much opens everything up, you want to play Christian McCaffrey, you want to play Tyreek Hill, you want to play these guys, you can get them all in your lineup uh, by, by, by doing the stack. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I like that call, Kev. I think it, I think a lot of people um, will be trying to find ways to get Andy Dalton in their cash uh, lineups, which is, is definitely a good call. I couldn't believe, like you said, the pricing on him. He's 4,700. They got Drew Locke, who wasn't, when the when the slate was live, Drew Locke wasn't ruled the starter just yet, and he's priced a hundred dollars above uh, Andy Dalton, which is just hilarious to me. So, I yeah, I I think Andy Dalton's definitely in a, in a premier spot. Um, Kev, some other spots that I wanted to talk about before we move on, and and these were just ones you know I'm thinking about here. We got a Kyle Allen at fifty five hundred going against Washington. Washington's another team that I've looked to attack. Um, all season long and and Kyle Allen he, he really disappointed a lot of people two weeks ago on week 11 when he was the chalk and everybody was talking about how great of a spot he was in against Atlanta um, goes out throws for four interceptions um, still somehow found his way to put up 12 DraftKings points by hitting that 300 yard bonus uh, but then he gets back and goes in New Orleans uh, you know puts up 23 DraftKings points with three touchdowns, no interceptions. And just looking at, you know, what New Orleans was able to do to Matt Ryan uh, on Thursday and then seeing Kyle Allen, you know, in in that premier matchup, now getting a home matchup uh, where I think a lot of, again, we have Christian McCaffrey and we'll talk about this at running backs, but he's, he's 10, five again. And so 
I think, you know, the smart move or uh, most people are thinking, okay, how can I jam in these high price guys? They're probably looking at McCaffrey, you know, Lamar Jackson or Mahomes or cheap quarterback. And I think this guy can go overlooked. He definitely has some upside here. Uh, DJ Moore has been a, a stud over the past couple of weeks. You compare him with him. You can pair him with Christian McCaffrey. If you want to, you compare him with a Curtis Samuel who, you know, has one of the highest a dots in, in the, in the league. Um, and, and a lot of air yards is where it's as well too. Um, and then Greg Olson has kind of, you know, been middling the pack of tight end scoring. So Kyle Allen at 5,500, I think I'll definitely have some exposure to him in GPPs, uh, just in the spot that I think will go way overlooked um for him and then um you you touched on uh you know Derek Carr I can't go back to him especially in in Arrowhead we've had so many fights about Derek Carr <laughs> in the KC matchup even when the with defense was not good on paper and I I I refuse to go back to him but Aaron Rodgers here uh, 6,500. He'll be on the road against the the Giants. I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it at running back, but I think I like the running backs a little bit more in this game. But Aaron Rodgers always has, you know, slate breaking upside, as we saw when he was at home against Oakland, put up 46. Um, not saying that this is definitely the matchup that we're going to see, but we saw the Giants, uh, you know, in um, Chicago and Mitchell was Trubisky was able, you know, to get over on them. Janoris Jenkins uh, is definitely going to have a tough time with Devontae Adams. Uh, the good th- the good thing about Aaron Rodgers, too, is it's kind of like uh, maybe Michael Thomas or, you know, maybe like a Marquise Brown, I guess, or I don't, I don't know, maybe not. But I think with Aaron Rodgers, you only have to pair him with that one guy, right? So you play him, maybe you're playing Devontae Adams and that's it. And then he might throw a touchdown to Valdez Scantling or Allison or Jimmy Graham or whomever, or Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams, but they might not hit their, they might not hit their ceilings. Um, so you can play him naked. You can play him with one guy. And I think he makes for an excellent tournament option especially if the Giants can somehow, somehow uh, keep points on the board and, and force Aaron Rodgers to, to be throwing in this game. Um, are there any spots, Kev, that you were looking at or, or those two spots um, that piqued your interest at all before we move on to running back? No, I mean, I, I think that, you know, just overall, most of my most of my exposure has got to go towards Andy Dalton, Pat Mahomes. For sure. Those are going to be my two highest own. And then past that, like, I think there's just – some some cases to be made just to kind of sprinkling some other guys in because like I mentioned or even Jared Goff but past that I mean there's a lot of guys who I do think that are in, in strong in strong uh, position this week I mean we haven't really you know Jameis Winston you know but it is another way you could go at 6300 going against Jacksonville whose Jacksonville defense is just not something that I'm really all that worried about anymore and no we'll talk about <coughs> them because Jacksonville has just become an open gate for running backs. I mean, they've allowed 186 yards per game over the last four weeks on the ground, which is atrocious. And, um, you know, Sam Darnold on the other side of the ball, if you don't want to, if you don't play it, you know, uh, you know, at 6,100 against the Bengals, we know how bad the Bengals defense is. Um, there's just a lot of really good spots this week. And I think trying to really tighten it up and, um, tighten up your core is going to end up being key because I mean, I I think you could, if you really wanted to like Daniel Jones is another way you could go at 5,600. Now they have Sterling Shepard back. I know that they're not going to have Evan Ingram or, uh, Golden Tate this week, but they, you know, getting Mm -hmm. Shepard back, I, you know, we can, we're going to be talking about that in the wide receiver position because him and Darius Slayton are both, um, in pretty solid spots this week against the 
defense that that hasn't really been very good against the the pass. I mean, they've allowed the six most passing yards over the last uh, four uh, four weeks at 284, but they haven't really been good against the ground either. So like this defense is kind of open season, you know, and they really haven't been getting a, a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Again, you know, and they're not they're not a team that really turns the ball over a whole lot and everything else. So like you know, if you wanted to go like a Daniel Jones, which is completely contrarian because Daniel Jones will be like sub five percent owned at 5600. So like I said, like I mean for me, like I you know if I you were to nail me down and say one of my top three plays, it's Andy Dalton, Pat Mahomes. You know, probably flip a coin on Jared Goff and Aaron Rodgers because I think those four are really my favorite, uh, my, my top four favorite plays at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I think I think for me it's uh, Mahomes, uh, Mahomes and uh, Nick Foles for me are who I'll have a lot of exposure to in early builds as we you know we'll start building. Or I'll start building uh, tonight as we're recording on Saturday going into tomorrow morning. Yeah, that's interesting with Jared Goff, Kev. I'll, I'll have to look into that. And, and there's some receivers that I like on that side. So it, it definitely makes sense to have some exposure to him in GPPs as he won't be on. But uh, but yeah, then the, the third one for me, I think I'll, I will try and get some ways uh, to get Carson Wentz exposure and, and, and maybe Kyle Allen. And then we have Jameis Winston too, Kev. I mean, you know, shit like Jameis Winston has not made you feel comfortable at all. But I mean, he's pretty much like locked into the 300 yard bonus on DK. Like he had one game in the past. What is this eight that he didn't hit it? And that was against New Orleans in New Orleans um, and the turnovers. Yeah, he's got eight interceptions in the past uh, three games. But you know, also six touchdowns hitting that bonus and still hitting over 20 fantasy points, like whether they're, you know, behind or ahead or what have you, like this guy has been in such a great spot. And I'm, I know I'm going to have trouble this week figuring out who I want to play. Is it Mike Evans or is it Chris Godwin week? And by playing Jameis, I think it allows you to to talk yourself into getting both um, and maybe running it back with either Shark or Fournette in that matchup. So, uh, you know, as we're as we're talking about this and I'm looking at it and we skip over Jameis, you know, it's not it's not a comfortable play. Uh, but I think his ownership will be low and it is a game that I do like targeting. So if I am willing to go Nick Foles route, I think I'll have to consider looking at that other side and seeing if I can get Jameis in some tournament. For sure. I mean, if you, so you look at Jameis and the other thing to factor in as well is he's starting to uh, pick up yards on the ground as well. Uh, mm. Let's see, 38 week, 12, 23 week, 11, 40 week, 10. Um, 53 week eight against Tennessee. Like, I mean, that's also another factor in, in his game that we're starting to see from him um, right. know, utilizing the or his legs. But like I said, like it's tough because like, I mean, all the metrics are there for him. I mean, they're number two in passing plays per game. He's um, number one in deep ball attempts. So, I mean, they, they have the, um, uh, all the weapons with, with you know Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, which has been tough trying to prognosticate which one is uh, is it this week? Is it you know uh, Chris Godwin week? Is it a Mike Evans week? Um, it's always a huge decision because every week yep. it seems that one of them is in is in the winning lineup uh, because one yeah. of them is having a monster game. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. So I'll, I'll definitely have some teams that have both of them on it and and probably him with one Jaguar because yeah. you don't want to you don't want to miss out on it. I mean, he is he's, he's he's feast and famine at both at the same time because right. all the interceptions. I mean, he's had like 15, uh, 15 interceptions I think over the last eight games. But the, the the fact that he's turning the ball over so much is leading to him having to throw the ball so much to, to get the team back in the game or you know turn things around because teams are always getting a hot start on him because he continually uh, turns the ball over. You know, in terms of fantasy, like fine, like hey, 
it's cool, man, because like there's been no there's no reason to believe whatsoever uh, that that they're gonna pull him from a game, and so right. it just leads to more opportunity and leads to more opportunity to score fantasy points. So, yeah, I mean it's tough to get away from Jameis on any single week. No, definitely. And just last thing, Kev, you're looking at his, you know, home and away splits, uh, a stat that uh, a lot of us in the industry like to look at. And and he's throwing for more yards in the home games. But look at his splits with the touchdown interception ratio, eight to touchdowns to 15 interceptions at home, 14 touchdowns to five on the road. So I think that's a compelling stat that you could look at um, scoring three more DK points in away games, too. Uh, if you do like, you know, if you do find yourself going to Jameis, you probably talk yourself into banking on, you know, he has a better production on the road, which which is just interesting um, to, to see. So um, let's move on to running back, Kev. This is a def- definitely an interesting week for running back is none of these. Um, you know, even in the middle range, like this just does not feel like a great week for running back. I know this is one of your favorite positions all every week to talk about. So, um, you know, I'll kind of just start it off. Uh, for me, Christian McCaffrey at the, at the top, I think it is just a solid play. I, I mean, uh, he's still 10, five and he's just, Kev, the season he's having is just unbelievable. Um, the usage in the passing game is really what it comes down to. I mean, this guy, you're getting a 10 five running back who pretty much is like a receipt, a wide receiver one and, and running back one uh, all rolled in. He doesn't need to rush for a hundred yards to pay off. You're looking at the touchdown equity <clears throat> that he's getting and the, and the amount of red zone looks that he's getting um, as well. Just, you know, leading the team uh, right up there with DJ Moore in red zone targets and then red zone carries like there's nobody else who's, who's taking that production away from him. Um, and then the targets you, you're, you know, nine, 15, seven, the past three games hitting 121 yards against Atlanta, 69 yards, nice against new Orleans and scoring a touchdown. Uh, so he's locked in for me. Uh, I think, you know, I'm not sure what my exposures will come down to. I always, you know, like to talk into percentages that I think as of right now, um, for me, if I'm building my tournament lineups, like I wouldn't feel comfortable having less than 50%. I usually try and go heavier on the field with him. Uh, but I'll definitely, you know, try and find some ways um, without him. But it's just so ugly at the position this week. So the next couple plays in uh, uh, our boy Corey um, in the Slack chat there had hit us up uh, earlier on to talk about some plays uh, that were sub 5k. And there's actually a couple that I like Kev, uh, and that aren't Miles Sanders. Now Miles Sanders gets Miami. Um, no Jordan Howard, as we alluded to at the beginning, I, and should be in a, in a, in a smash bot, but the, the touches Kev, you just cannot bank on them. And he does have that kind of big play ability um, that we've seen over the course of the year. You know, I think he had like a 75 yard catch um, for a touchdown earlier this year. Um, and then, he, you know, he's had, he's had a big run here and there. You, you really need him to score to, I think, have a tournament winning upside play here. I don't think, it, I think if he doesn't find the end zone, I just think the touches aren't there where he gets there. Um and like like we said, Jay Ajayi is still sealing touches from him. So Miles Sanders, he's fine, but he's not a play that I'll be going to. I think for me, it comes down to my my favorite is Philip Lindsay. And and Kev, Philip Lindsay has really taken over this backfield. And you're looking at the touches. He's had two really difficult matchups going against Buffalo and Minnesota. And, you know, it hasn't really proven uh 
proven, I guess, that he could really, you know, win you a GPP. But he gets a home matchup now against the Chargers. And the Chargers are always playing from behind. I think, you know, we we really don't know what Drew Locke is going to offer. But I think they do try and lean on the run game here to get established against this Chargers uh, defense here. And Philip Lindsay, um, it, without having to worry about Royce Freeman all that much, he, he does offer, I think, some legit upside in this matchup earlier this year. He went for 15 uh carries 114 yards and a touchdown for, you know, a couple catches there as well to put up 27 DK points. So he has it well within his ranges to, to definitely, you know, give you back four or five X on this price tag that just feels way too cheap um, in a guy that is going to be used in matchups that are favorable for him. So I really love getting to Philip Lindsay this week. Um, I'll, I'll have a lot of him. Uh, I, I also think that, um, where was I looking at? So Jonathan Williams here for Indy. Um, this is going to be an ugly game. I feel like it's an AFC South matchup. Um, doesn't really, you know, feel all that great. But you're looking at what Jonathan Williams has been doing the past two weeks since he's been filling in for Marlon Mack. And what's not to like there, Kev? I mean, at Houston, he's getting 26 touches or, or 29 touches, 26 carries, puts up 24 DK points at the $4,200 price tag, 18 points against Jacksonville. Again, another 100 yards. Like, I think, you know, the way that Indy wants to play is they just want to manage the clock and they want to just rely on that defense to kind of, you know, hold them, hold the game. And I don't really see, you know, Tennessee going out and really putting putting the the numbers up to force Indy to be throwing in this game. I think it's going to be a really ground game, defensive game. So I really like Jonathan Williams at this price tag, which, you know, it's a thousand dollar increase on what we've seen from him, but the production is there. And on a slate that I don't really feel comfortable with uh, targeting running backs all that much, I, I think I'll definitely have a lot of exposure to him. Um, and then in the middle of the range here, I'll go back up to the top. I think my third favorite and if I'm not getting to Christian McCaffrey uh, with one of these cheaper guys, I'm going to go to Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Cincinnati's been a defense that we've targeted running backs against. They're, they're so bad. Kept, I had the numbers up, but it, they're, they're just bad. Um, and w- with the production that Le'Veon is seeing here, um, you know, Oakland, it was a weird game because they got up so early, didn't really need him to do anything, um, but he was well within – his way to to having a great game there at 6,400. And he just really hasn't produced in the way that you would think um, clicking on him at this price tag on a, in a road matchup would be favorable, but the way that they're just so bad against the running back position receiving and, and on the ground uh, it just feels like such a great spot for him. Um, I I love him. And, you know, if you're playing Andy Dalton, uh, uh, stacks with, you know, Tyler Boyd or Auden Tate or however you choose to go uh, playing for Le'Veon and, and thinking that the Jets get up early and, and can use him. And if, if Dalton's able to kind of bridge that gap and make it closer, uh, he should be utilized heavily. So Le'Veon Bell is one that I'll definitely get to. Uh, his He's like the eighth highest priced running back on FanDuel too, which we don't usually always talk about, but it's just, uh, just goes to show you that like he's, he's very cheap just across the industry. And I think he, he's in a fine spot. So Kev, with you, who, who are the running backs that you're looking at targeting 
uh, early on this week. Well, again, I think this is an interesting week with the running backs. Like, I feel like there's some guys that that that, that we can get some. You know, like like it's tough. Like, cause you look at like Saquon Barkley, for example, who's 7,400. The cheapest he's been all year, but he hasn't played very well. You know, over you know really since I mean he hasn't had really a big game since Week Eight against Detroit. But he he is still somebody that has that that big play potential. And, you know, they are at home against Green Bay. If you look at Green Bay, like Green Bay is allowed the third most DK points to the position uh, over the last four weeks. Um, it hasn't really been any better. They've allowed the ninth most rushing yards, um, or you know, over their last three games they've played. So, I mean, there's just a lot to like about this matchup for Saquon. And without Golden Tate or Evan Ingram, you know, again, I think that, you know, he could be in play at 7,400 considering how cheap he is because he has, you know, uh, you know, a 40 point upside. Right. He's super risky because he just hasn't been the same player since coming off injury, um, despite the great matchup. So I think I'll have some interest in Saquon. You know, obviously I'm going to try to do whatever I can to get Christian McCaffrey in my lineups. Uh, Washington's uh, horrific against the run. You know, say it's, it's Christian McCaffrey. The dude's been a beast all year, but yeah, I mean, but I'm not super high on someone like Nick Chubb or Derek Henry or Leonard Fournette this week. Yeah, in rough matchups, and they're all. uh, I just rather pay down a little bit more for some of these other plays. I think Josh Jacobs is interesting. If the Raiders can keep it close, then I think. Excuse me, he makes for a decent play. I don't think they're going to be able to keep it close. And on top of that, the Chiefs' defense is going to be as as healthy as it's been all year, like since Week One, even probably before that, because Frank Clark was dealing with a nerve a nerve issue in his neck for most of the season, which is why he really didn't look like Frank Clark. Now, the last couple of weeks, he's really started to turn it on and start to look like the player that they acquired from Seattle, and he's actually healthy now. But they're going to have everybody back, like Kendall Fuller, who's missed the last three or four games, is going to be back in the slot. Alex Okafor, who's missed the last couple of weeks, is going to be back. I mean. Outside of Emmanuel Ogbo, who's out for the year, they're going to have their entire team. Like, they're, like this team is. As, I think that he's the only one of uh, that, that has played significant time this year. Is that's actually going to be missing from this game? Like, they're going to this. They are week one healthy, and so coming off a bye, um, I, I don't see a scenario where the Raiders keep this game close. I think this could be a bloodbath yeah. and a game where the the the, the Chiefs whitewash them. Uh, so, so I. I I do think I think Josh Jacobs is going to be more popular than he should. I guess is what I'm getting. Now from from there, Aaron Jones he has a 40 point ceiling, but he also has a three point floor, and so like <laughs> you know <laughs> he's tough to play because I mean but he is only 6800 and that and that again is, is relatively too cheap for what his upside is. You know I mean if you just look at it three twenty seven three forty four eighteen nine fifty two seventeen fifteen twenty eight and four. It's such a wide, it's such a wide range, but I mean, this is the cheapest he's been since week six against Detroit when he was 6,700, but his upside is so massive. If I'm not playing Christian McCaffrey, this is probably where I'm starting um, in, in terms of, in terms of uh, who I want to play at running back, because I feel like this That's is a great true. matchup against the Giants, despite being on the road. We know he's utilized the pass catcher as well. And so, yeah, I, I really like Aaron Jones at 6,800. I love that price tag. Todd Gurley is another, uh, you know, 6,500, I think is, is, is in a is in a great spot. And then kind of, you know, for me, I kind of dropped down further from that of where I want to start. And I think, you know, having a conversation about Miles Sanders, he is 5,400. I think he's going to be really popular and he's going to carry a lot of ownership. I just don't really know what his ceiling is. Even though at 5,400, it doesn't have to be a ton for him to pay mm-hmm. off. Like he's only has what one game all year where he scored 20 fantasy points. Um, and that was week eight against Buffalo. Other than that, like it's been 11, 10, you know, something. And I don't know how involved J.H.I. is going to be in this game. 
<laughs> so, you know, like playing Miles Sanders, I feel like, you know, you'd rather play him in a game where it's going to be a little bit more high scoring because of his involvement in the passing game. But I don't know if they're going to have to do that this week. And I can almost see them giving JHI more carries than, than what Miles, what we think. So I don't know. It'll be interesting with, with, uh, with Miles Sanders. I'll have some exposure, but I probably won't be as high as everybody else is. I think where you get interesting and here's, uh, would be playing Ronald Jones at 5,100. You know, I just talked about Jacksonville and how truly anemic they've been against the run. Their last three games, they've allowed 233 rushing yards a game. You know, um, their last four games, they've allowed 183 yards a game. They have been so, so bad against the run. It's hard not to love, you know, playing Ronald Jones at 5,400. Uh, or excuse me, at 5,100. He's, he's gotten better. Uh, he's becoming more involved in the offense and at 51, 100. If you if you look at his numbers, even over the last four, really over his last four games, 16.2, 23.6, 3.4 against New Orleans when they, when they trailed. And then last week against Atlanta, he put up 15.7. He scored a touchdown in four of his last six games. It's hard not to want to play Ronald Jones. And especially where I think that guys like Jonathan Williams and Miles Sanders are going to be much more popular. You know, Ronald Jones at right. 5,100 is a solid, solid play. I don't think he's going to carry much ownership at all. Um, past that, you know, LaShawn McCoy is in play at 4,800. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, uh, Damian Williams has already been ruled out, so we don't have to worry about that. I do think that we could see a scenario, though, where I would want to have at least some, you know, depending on how much you're playing. Like, if you're playing, you know, very minimally, I, I wouldn't worry about this. But, like, if you're dropping 150 lineups, I would have some Daryl Williams, who's only 4,400. Because uh, okay. Chiefs, the Chiefs are not going to give LaShawn McCoy 60, 70% of the touches. It's just not going to happen. And so I think, you know, especially if they get up quick, I could see Daryl Williams carving out a decent role here uh, without Damian Williams. I mean, and he was, I mean, he's, and he's also, you know, has been utilized as a pass catcher this year. Some, especially when Daryl or Damian Williams was out. I mean, you go back and look at some of those weeks when he was out I and mean, he scored 15.9 against Baltimore, 19.6 against Detroit. So, I mean, there's some things to like here with, with Daryl Williams. So 4,400 Daryl Williams, who's going to carry no ownership whatsoever is also, I think uh, a pretty um, interesting spot. Yeah. I don't mind that call. Kev, you're looking back to weeks three and four, you know, even with, only nine, eight carries here, but got some uh, touchdown equity there against Detroit. He was bad against running backs. Um, and then nine uh, or eight receptions on nine targets in those two games um, with about 90 yards. Um, definitely, you know, definitely makes for a good DraftKings play when you're talking about cheap value and equity with paying with playing with the best quarterback, in, in my opinion, uh, on the slate too. You definitely like that there's only two running backs to, to choose from there uh, to rotate in. So I love that. I love that call for tournaments. Uh, Kev, there's going to be a lot of talk about Benny Snell um, coming in at 4,700, just coming off the 21 rush a game, uh, put up 11 DK points. Um, he's not really a pass catching back at all. So, you know, he's kind of, I guess, what I would consider a cheaper Derrick Henry, uh, so to speak where you're really, you know, the the running, the rushing upside is definitely there. If that's all you're getting from him, even at the $4,700 price tag, like what is going to be his ceiling? Um, unless Pittsburgh just, you know, runs train on Cleveland here and, and what could be ar- argued as, you know, a revenge game narrative as the, we just saw what happened the last time these two teams met with everybody getting suspended and the Miles Garrett situation and what have you. So um, there are 
ways that I like to get exposure to this game. I just don't know if Benny Snell is going to be that for me this week, especially on on DraftKings where he's not really catching passes. Yeah, it's hard uh, to trust. It's hard, I mean, it's hard to trust them, right? Because yeah. um, I mean, now that you have, I mean, you, you still have Jalen Samuels, you have Kareth White, who all of a sudden started mixing into the uh, into the backfield mix. There, I, I don't know if you can trust them. And like, th- this would only be a play for me if I was going to play Benny Snell. Like, it would have to be a game where you felt like they could get up and dominate this game. Now, it very well could. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh, or, or excuse me, uh, Cleveland, you know, has had their struggles this year on the offensive side of the football, but they seem to be hitting their their stride. And I, I don't have a whole lot of faith that like Duck Hodges can build a lead and and, and do anything here. So, like, I don't think I could trust Benny Snell. Like, it'd be different if he was, like, 3,800, 3,900, 4K. But at 4,700, just pay the extra $100 and play LaShawn McCoy. Pay pay the extra couple hundred and get up to Philip Lindsay or Ronald Jones or, you know, those guys. Like, I just don't think there's much equity here in Benny Snell. So, I just can't do it. Or even, like, a Darius Guy who is cheaper than Benny Snell, who's also involved in the passing game at 4,500, where we know Carolina has struggled to stop the run all year. So, I would rather play, you know, all these other guys that ever played Benny Snow. It's fair, Kev. I, um, I, I'll be doing the same. Uh, I just feel comfortable um, the, playing for him in that spot. Go ahead. I was going to say the other one too that I don't know if we've uh, talked about would be Jonathan, or not Jonathan, Jamal Williams. He has quietly kind of been somebody who's been pretty consistent in what he gives you. I mean, 15, 6, 16, 18, 13, 26, uh, 1, 10, 13, and 3. Uh, for Green Bay going against the Giants, he's only forty five hundred. So if you're not paying, yeah. you know, playing Aaron Jones, because I feel like one of these running backs is going to go off. And so, like, you know, if you want to you know, get contrarian and gain, gain leverage off people who are playing Aaron Jones, forty five hundred dollars Jamal Williams in a spot that you know is pretty enticing for for a you know value running back. I think is also um, a, a really uh, interesting play. Yeah, no, I don't mind that at, at all either, Kev. Uh, I'm actually playing Jamal Williams in a in a season long uh, to to here make the playoffs and and yeah, he, he he the thing about him as well too is and Aaron Jones has this upside as well. But look at these targets, Kev, that he's seeing. You know, eight against San Francisco, six against the Chargers, three KC, five against Oakland, five against Detroit. Um, four against Minnesota. So he definitely has a role uh, in this offense. And, you know, if he's out there in, in red zone opportunities, we definitely, you know, definitely can can see Jonathan Williams uh, paying off or Jonathan, Jamal Williams paying off. Uh, one more, Kev, before we move on to wide receiver, I'm looking at Todd Gurley um, up here just with you liking Jared Goff this week. I just wanted to talk about the other side here uh, with Todd Gurley. So Todd Gurley, you know, we thought we were kind of hitting a stride here uh, against Chicago. 25 touches, goes for 97 yards. Just missed out on the three-point bonus for DK, uh, but got a touchdown there. Did lose the fumble, but had a couple catches to make up for that. Um, and then against Baltimore, I mean, we it, it was just atrocious. So I don't. I think we can just basically throw this game out here because they were forced to pass with Baltimore just having their way um, with this defense. They're going against Arizona here. Uh, and they're going to, they're not going to have Gerald Everett. Um, the past game has struggled. So I get what you're saying with Jared Goff in tournaments, but if they get into the red zone, you know, Todd Gurley still has upside. This is an Arizona defense that he really has done well, um, against them in his career, you know, had a hundred yards, uh, when he first joined the Rams against them for a touchdown, 74 yards in the next game on 19 touches. Uh, but with a, 
or 19 carries, excuse me, but also had also had a couple of catches as well, had 100 yards in another game with a touchdown. And then last year had that three touchdown uh, bonanza there, only rushing for 40, 42 yards, but they blew him out 34 to zero and was able to get three touchdowns. This is Todd Gurley, right? So like on any given <clears throat> slate, he can always smash. And especially, you know, just playing devil's advocate here with Jared Goff, his home road splits have been something that we talked about. He is on the road. He has been struggling. But if they're going to score points, you know, I I have to have some exposure, I think, to Todd Gurley in this range where it just, you know, running back just doesn't feel comfortable this week. But, hey, you know, if we can get Todd Gurley in what looks like at least a competitive matchup here if Kyler Murray's uh, healthy, then, you know, Todd Gurley at 6,500 seems like a steal. I don't disagree. Arizona has been, you know, pretty bad, pretty much against every position. So yeah, I mean, that's solid leverage off of, off of that offense. And my only concern with him is, is are they actually going to utilize him in the passing game? Cause they just haven't right. been willing to do that. So I think that's the downgrade for him at 6,500. This is a spot where he could easily get on top of that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we see something more closer to the 26 that he put up against Tampa. But other than that, like it's been, it's been pretty bleak for him. He, he did get 21.3 against Chicago, but I mean, he hasn't seen more than five targets in a game since week five. It's kind of wild to me. Like we've, I think we've talked about it before, but like you feel like it would be more, much more optimal approach as explosive as he is to get him in space as a pass catcher than it is to run him up the gut, you know, 15 times a game. But uh, I don't know. I don't make those decisions, you know, sh- uh, but that's, that's the downfall for him. And that's the reason that I wouldn't be as high on him as some of these other options, because, you know, like I said, Aaron Jones, I think says a much higher ceiling. Le'Veon, I think uh, can be made a little bit stronger case. Who's a little bit more expensive than, him. or even if you want to, if you know, even though it's not as good of a matchup, like even like a Melvin Gordon, who's 6,400, you know, we know hit the opportunity is going to be there and, and probably be a little bit more involved in the passing game as well. So yeah, I mean, I think those are other better options than him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm just looking at this, the stats here. So Arizona, they've been pretty good against the ground, especially at allowing touchdowns. They've only allowed six on the year. They give up the 13 most, yard, most yards on the ground. But when you factor in, if, if he's able to see some pass catching work here, um, they'll, they've allowed the, what is this, um, probably like the eighth most catches, seventh most uh, catches to the running back position. They've allowed the fourth most yards to the running back position and then tied for third most touchdowns with four. So if, if you know, Gerald Everett being out makes you think that they're going to utilize maybe Gurley more in the red zone, even though it, it does shape up well for Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods this week. I, I love getting to, to Gurley on some tournament teams. If we can get that like 11 target game that he saw against Tampa Bay, that that would just be, you know, that's that's really what we're looking for. So we just wanted to touch on him before we moved on position, because I think he's he's a guy, you know, just just as you said, with Aaron Jones um, can can really, you know, break the slate if if he hits. Um, let's let's talk about wide receiver here as we're getting into the home stretch of the podcast. And we, we talked before, Kev, before we started. Um, just, you know, what to do with Tyreek Hill. I think that really, really shapes up the whole slate. And we, we've we talked about, you know, what to do with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But we have Tyreek Hill here at 8,900 uh, on DK. He's the highest priced wide receiver on the slate. And the upside with Tyreek Hill is massive. But, you know, I, I guess there's a conversation to be had, Kev, with one, you know, is that too lofty of a price for him? 
which, which I don't think that it is when you when you give his upside. Um, two, can you play him without Pat Mahomes? Because when you talk about playing him with Pat Mahomes, that takes up a majority, a, a lot of your salary there. I think it's pretty difficult. Um, you know, I, there are ways to get to him and Christian McCaffrey uh, as well, but it, I think it's pretty difficult to feel comfortable with all the players in your lineup and trying to jam those guys in. So I think that's where the conversation kind of starts. How are you? How are you treating Tyree Kill this week in a favorable matchup against Oakland, but with an eighty nine hundred dollar price tag? That you know, really, if he if he's not, I guess you know, you need thirty out of him to feel good about it, uh, which, you know, against the Chargers, nothing there. Um, that, that's the game that I believe he got hurt, right, Kevin, and left. And then uh, Tennessee 36, 29 against Minnesota. But, you know, if he goes out and gets you like 14, 16, as he did uh, these couple weeks, it, it's just not, it, you're not going to feel good about it. And you've probably played him with Pat Mahomes because I just don't think that people will feel comfortable playing him by himself. So he really, he really shapes the slate, I think, at wide receiver. Once you touch, yeah, go ahead and touch on it, Kev, before we kind of break it down. So here's the thing. So here's the thing with Tyreek, and I think this is something that gets lost on a lot of people with him, is that you probably it's probably the more optimal approach to play him by himself than to actually play him with Pat Mahomes because of the fact that he is somebody that can haul in two or three long bombs, kind of uh, limit w- w- what you're going to get from Pat Mahomes at times where he they, they, they score so quickly. And if that happens, you may not see the numbers that you typically would see from, from Pat Mahomes where for me, like I, I think, you know, with a player that's able to do that because it's a, a quick strike offense. And if he, if he hauls in two long touchdowns while yes, Pat, Mahomes is getting those numbers, but you're looking for, you know, much more that you're looking for much more opportunity than that. And it can limit Pat Mahomes in terms of how often they have to throw the ball because of what Tyree Kill's able to do with taking the ball off the defense. Like I would probably rather pair Pat Mahomes with a Travis Kelsey than Tyree. Not that you can't, you know, <laughs> stack Tyree Kill, Tyree Kill and Pat Mahomes. But I think it's a much more optimal approach that if you love Tyree Kill, you should just play him, play him by himself and find a different quarterback to to play him with. Um, like I said, uh, it could end up screw, like hurting you because of, like I said, if he catches, let's say he, he, he catches two long touchdowns and ends up with 140 yards and two touchdowns, you know, we start to, you know, they get on top and, you know, LeJean McCoy or Durrell Williams, you know, rush for a couple touchdowns. Well, Pat Mahomes' ceiling isn't nearly as high because of it and so I just think that that Tyree Kill is a better play by himself because he typically isn't somebody who racks up a ton of reception that's just I know we saw it a couple of weeks ago but that's usually not the way that he's, he's deployed it's usually he finds the end zone a couple of times on, on some long in, uh, long touchdowns which you know for him is is what gives him the, the crazy ceiling that he has so I don't know like I said like if you want to play Tyree like I love Tyree Kill I think he's in I think he might be the best spot of any wide receiver on this entire slate to be honest with you outside of maybe an argument you could be made with uh Devontae Adams who I love at 7k who is $1,900 cheaper than him so if you want to get different like Devontae Adams is probably where I would start so but yeah with with Tyreek I feel like if I'm playing him I'd rather play him by himself than playing with Pat Mahomes yeah I, I I do think that there's there's a conversation to be had there um with that I mean you know Oakland's allowing uh 39 DK points to the wide receiver position um so definitely can be attacked through the air but you know it, there's two. I think it was the Houston game. So the Houston game, uh, Mahomes put up 20 DK points. Uh, Tyreek put up 25. So you're looking at most likely, you know, you definitely want to have Hill there, but you definitely didn't need to have Mahomes as 20 is, you know, it's a fine score, but 
It's not like 30, as he put up with Tennessee, where he'll put up 36, and then Mahomes went out and put up 32. Like, that's giving you 60 out of two players. That's where that's when you really need to have them. So, and Mahomes has given us this 440, 450, hell, even 500-yard game, and that can definitely come if he hits Hill for a 75-yarder, Hill for an 80-yarder, or whatever the case may be. That's when you're going to, you know, need to be having both or be dead in the water if you really don't have um, unless some of these other guys hit their upside. So, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of starts there with me. Uh, I I love Tyreek Hill because of his high price tag, because it's probably going to make people uncomfortable. And talk about home road splits. This is a guy where, you know, people love to play Tyreek Hill on the road because his splits are just so favorable there. He's at home now. Um, I could see people just kind of really thinking that that's too high of a price tag. And then let's go down and look at these other guys. So the next three guys who are all fine hell even the next four you got chris godwin cooper cup Devonte adams and mike evans um and then, and then remarkably dj moore at 6800 who's right behind them um you know chris godwin and mike evans we've talked about this multiple times kev these guys are slate breakers these guys have been in the winning tournament lineups it feels like one of them is in there every week. I think the only week was two weeks ago uh, when neither one of them really hit. Um, yeah, I think it may or maybe that was the Arizona game. Um, neither one of them really hit. So, uh, but then you're looking at, I mean, against Atlanta, you know, Godwin goes for 40. We got Mike Evans here and then, you know, he's going for 39 against Seattle and 45 against Tennessee, 48 against the Giants. I mean, it's really just incredible what these guys have been doing, you know, and even further. So I think it's, people will look to go there even more so than, than Tyreek, which makes Tyreek just a fantastic tournament play. Uh, so he's one of my favorites, but then, you know, second, I think 6,900 for Mike Evans, when you're saving $800 off of Godwin who just popped and it really does feel like people will chase the one who just hit. So Godwin just put up the 40 points. I think Evans is being sleeped on here with only, you know, only getting, you know, nine, 10, 12 here. Um, and really having a, a, a good favorable matchup here going against Jacksonville. Um, it, it, it just, it really screams like a Mike Evans week. I think his the defense he's going to be seeing is Trey Herndon, who PFF has graded as one of the uh, bottom tier corners um, to go to go out there on this main slate. So, uh, with that being said, Mike Evans, Mike Evans is probably my second favorite guy uh, for tournaments and, and my favorite Tampa Bay wide receiver. Um, DJ Chark at sixty six hundred, as I was saying, Kev just he's definitely been um, his price has been creeping up. But for the past couple of weeks, we've seen him in the $6,000 range. And I guess his floor is maybe these seven points that we're seeing get seven against New Orleans, seven against Houston. But the upside is is incredible. And Nick Foles definitely, you know, seems to, you know, have a relationship with, with DJ Chark, a rapport with him. Uh, 21 targets in his past two games. Tampa Bay uh, against wide receivers. I mean, Okay, so they're allowing 49 DK points to the wide receiver position. They've allowed the most touchdowns to the wide receiver position. They've allowed the most yards to the wide receiver position. And they've allowed the second most receptions. So it's like 
why am I not taking the number one wide receiver on Jacksonville uh, against them? I do think there's a case to be made if you want to pay down uh, on a D.D. Westbrook, on a Chris Conley, especially who has deep playability. Um, I definitely can't fault you for going there. But for me, uh, it's going to be D.J. Chark. And then just just a couple of these uh, low tier wide receivers, Kev, that I want to touch on uh, real quick. Um, Robert Woods at 5,500. It seems way too. I know uh, Cooper Cup's in a premier spot. But you're looking at, you know, we had that weird personal week where he was ruled out of the lineup in week 11, didn't play. But 20 targets in the past two games for 13 catches here. We're not going to have Gerald Everett. Um, The the price tag is just too cheap for Robert Woods and what his role is, is in this offense, because they're really, you know, if if Cup is getting covered, he's going to look to. Woods next, I feel like Brandon Cooks with dealing with the concussions and really just hasn't been involved at all all this year uh, outside of one game where I think he went for for double digit DK points. Um, It's it's been all Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So I think on teams where I don't have Cup, I'll definitely find myself getting to Woods here um, in this matchup. And then uh, the other guy I wanted to touch on was Devontae Parker, Kev, going against Philly. Devontae Parker, with his target share in the past couple of weeks, you know, I, I kind of just want to lock him in. He's my favorite uh, cash game wide receiver. You know, you're looking on the year, only four touchdowns. But, man, you know, over the past four weeks, we got 15 DK points, 11, 23 and a half against Buffalo, 15 against Cleveland. Um, this is with only scoring one touchdown in that period. So if he gets a touchdown, I think he's he's. He's definitely well within of hitting, you know, around 15 points, if not 20 in a, in a game here, Miami and Philly, where I think that, you know, points will come from somewhere on both sides. And if Philly goes up, Miami's going to be forced to throw. And anytime you have Fitzpatrick on the other side, I think you can definitely, you know, find somebody who can, who can pay off there. So uh, with that being said, Kev, I'll let you take the floor uh, before we kind of round out this position. You know, like we already talked about Tyreek Hill, I've talked about that. Like, Devontae Adams, to me, if you're not playing Tyreek Hill, should be the next guy you get to, in my opinion. I mean, all the numbers are there for him. You know, he missed that time with the injury, but, you know... If you look on the slate, I mean, he's number, he's, you know, on the slate, he's number one weighted opportunity rating. He's, he's getting 42% of the market share air yards. He's 33% target share. Uh, you know, he has been the main man for, for Aaron Rodgers and uh, the guy can, can go off. And like I said, like a 7K, I feel like that's way too cheap for what his upside is in this matchup against the Giants on the road. So, you know, 7K Devontae Adams, uh, I absolutely love. I feel like he should be up there with Chris Godwin in terms of pricing um, or even higher than what he is. So, uh, if I can get a price break on Devontae Adams, I'm going to take it. Again, the decision between Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, I think, is always a tough one because both of them obviously are used in different ways. It's kind of like a Tyree Kill kind of situation where Mike Evans tends to be the deep threat and um, where you know it, it really hit, hurts Chris Godwin in terms of why they don't go off together because if Mike Evans you know hauls in three or you know two or three long touchdowns, which is what we've seen from him most mostly this year, then you know that really limits the opportunity for Chris Godwin. So, I, yeah, I mean. I'm more on Mike Evans this week, but I always I always get so nervous about it because I feel like I feel like it's like almost like a death sentence on which one you choose because uh, if, if you don't have yep. the right one, it's uh, it's night night time or what it's mostly been this year for it. So, but at 6900, he's cheaper option, almost a thousand dollars cheaper. Yeah, I would I'd probably go Mike Evans. DJ Moore has been an absolute monster, especially lately, and you know going against Washington, there's not a cornerback on that team that scares me. So you know I like DJ Moore at 6800. 
you know, if if you're wanting to play Green Bay, I mean, DJ Shark at 6,600, Bay's past defense has been, whether it's been destroyed by injury or releasing players or, you know, not enough talent, like it's it's been a spot we wanted to target all year among quarterbacks and, you know, their, their pass catchers. So DJ Shark at 6,600 is in a, an elite spot as well. He's priced up for that. Um, past that, like you have to drop down from here because for me, um, I think you can play Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry's actually been pretty solid for them. Um, he's somebody that Baker Mayfield is uh, continually look for. I mean, he's, he's seen at least double digit targets in each of his three of his last four games. The only one that he didn't was uh, that that Pittsburgh game. But that that Pittsburgh game, you know, was a little bit different. It was a Thursday night game. They got up quick on them. He still saw seven targets. He scored a touchdown. Really, you have to go back to Week Eight against New England the last time he had scored. He scored a touchdown in four straight weeks. So. Jarvis Landry at 6400 The problem is now that he's kind of getting priced up, where before you were able to get him at a much cheaper price tag. You know, past this week, you know, he was 4500 4900 5700 So, you know, he was much cheaper now. Like, you're kind of getting up that, that that heavy premium. So, like, I wouldn't be as on him, especially in this game, where I feel like this game could be like a 13-3 type game going against Pittsburgh. You know, we know it just what just happened a couple of weeks ago. Probably going to be some bad, bad blood. You could see guys get, they get the old toss real quick in this game if anything starts to go sideways after what happened a couple of weeks ago. Of course, you got Freddie Kitchen stirring the pot last night, or I guess over the weekend, wearing a shirt saying Pittsburgh started or something like that. Like, oh, wow. I did not see that. He uh, Somebody took a picture of with, with him on their Instagram, I guess, and he's wearing a shirt saying Pittsburgh started it. That's fun. Um, for me, I think we should get past that because there's so many injuries this week. T.Y. T. Hilton's out. Uh, A.J. Green continually be out. Juju Smith-Schuster's ruled out. Golden Tate's out. So, I mean, that kind of takes up, you know, a large chunk of that middle range. But for me, like, once you get down here, like, this is when things start to become pretty interesting. Like I said, Tyler Boyd, I absolutely love. 5,500. Um, I will have a ton of exposure to him. I'm looking probably in the 40% range, at least, uh, of exposures to him. In this game, I'm going to be stacking them with every one of my Andy Dalton stacks, and I'll probably have some by himself as well. But I really like Andy Dalton this or Andy Dalton Tyler Boyd in this matchup. It's hard not to like Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks, who are priced heavily down, 5,500 for Robert Woods. Brandon Cooks is only 5,200. And we know that he can smash that, right? Like he's due for some positive regression coming back from injury, everything else. Like, I don't know. It's hard not to love Brandon Cooks in this matchup at 5,200. Like he can easily get on top of that. Past that, like I think that if you want to play some like Tyrell Williams at 5,400, considering they're probably going to have to be throwing the ball so much, I think you can go there. I don't love it, but it's certainly a spot you could go. Pass, you know, a DD Westbrook at 5K again, an, another another uh, great spot. Sterling Shepard is in a fantastic spot at 4900. We already sort of talked about, uh, you know, with no Golden Tate, I think that opens things up for Sterling Shepard to run more, uh, you know, get get more action out of the slot. N- no Evan Ingram as well. So I think Sterling Shepard, who earlier in the year before he got knocked out with a concussion, was you know ha- was having himself a pretty solid start to the season, and then he got knocked out. You know, so for me, like I I do like Sterling Shepard at 4900. I like that price tag again if you're wanting to to run some cincinnati um stacks robbie anderson who looked much much better last week at 4800 is in a fantastic spot and then you know past that like you know zach pascal is another way you could go with with ty hilton still out 4700 uh you know we we saw his price tag rise a little bit too much over the last three weeks where he was 5600 5800 hovering around that range like there was no way i was ever going to play zach pascal at that price but now he's back down to 4700 where a lot of people aren't going to want to play him because he hasn't really done a whole lot you know since then i mean really he had that big 18.6 game against pittsburgh and then 4.6 3.7 and zero but i think you could play him in a matchup where you know if there's some points scored here i think that gets interesting and then of course 
Chris Conley, 4,500. Great matchup yeah. against Tampa Bay. $4,500 Chris Conley is, is very enticing. I mean, if you're wanting to get some leverage plays off of like a Tyree Kill, for example, McCall Hardman at 4,200, uh, he can easily uh, um, smash that with, with his upside. They've, they're continually trying to get him the ball in his hands, but he's much more of a deep threat. He's not going to see a ton of targets, but he did see four in his last game. But if they try to, you know, kind of get him the ball, you know, and look for him deep, I think $4,200 McCall Hardman is also pretty interesting. And then 3800 Auden Tate. Yeah, Auden Tate is, is, the, is the guy for me um, that I want in uh, cash games as well. Uh, with Dalton coming back, 3800 is uh, absolutely ridiculous. Let's just cancel the Pittsburgh game there, as that was just a weird one. Six targets, six targets, 13 targets, six targets, 11 targets, six, six, 10. And, and you have to go all the way back to San Francisco week two, um, where he wasn't seeing that share. Um, and now you get 3,800 against the Jets who, you know, are we afraid of the Jets? Not really um, from a passing standpoint, you know, giving up pretty decent numbers uh, as far as receptions go, um, yards as well. But when you're looking at touchdowns here and they've given up uh, the pretty much tied for the second most with 15 um, just behind, you know, the likes of Miami and Tampa Bay to wide receivers. So the chances of on take, you know, really paying off that $3,800 price tag is just bananas. I mean, you know, people were asking in the chat on who to play under 4K to get to Christian McCaffrey builds. And, and it's odd and take uh, for me that that price tag is absolutely ludicrous. Um, what, one other, you know, I guess Alex Erickson is there, too. I'd much rather play odd and take. But, you know, uh, sure. If you think that Cincinnati's going to be throwing a lot and and can Joe Mixon's not in play, so you can you think that Andy Dalton can you keep you know Boyd Erickson and and uh, Tate all involved, then you can go ahead and go there. <clears throat> you know, are you interested at all, Kev, in these wide receiver? The only other wide receiver in this range under four K, as the guys were asking about, I could be talked into Keelan Cole. Um, just because of how favorable a matchup it is. And he's actually seen his snap share increase um, over the past couple weeks here with, with Jacksonville. And so, you know, if I'm playing Nick Folds builds and, you know, I want to get to, you know, Chark and somebody else, of, you know, if I need the salary relief, maybe go, go into Keelan Cole over Conley, even though it doesn't, the, you know, the, what am I looking for? The optimal play is to, you know, really target those first three guys in, in Conley, Westbrook, and uh, and and uh, Chark. But Keelan Cole, I think if he's going to be out there and the snap share is, is even uh, somewhat remotely viable, then at 3,600, I can see myself getting to him. Uh, but I wanted to talk about what I, what I was starting at was – you know, these wide receivers for Green Bay, Kev. So we got Geronimo Allison here at 3,800 and then Alan Lazard at <clears throat> 3,700. Lazard's role has definitely dwindled over the past couple of weeks with these guys being healthy, but it is Green Bay. They're going to run out, you know, what three wide receiver sets. Hell, they're going to run out four wide receiver sets um, when they can. And if this game with the Giants somehow turns into a shootout, you know, it's one of these guys could could end up being viable. Um, I wouldn't feel confident in trying to play these guys at all as any one-off or anything like that plays. But if you have a stack 
um, with the Green Bay side of things. Would you feel comfortable at all going with Geronimo Allison or Alan Lazard in this matchup here against the Giants, just of how bad their secondary is? I think Lazard would probably be the way that I'd want to go. I think he's the more talented wide receiver of the group, and I think that he's somebody that you could trust a little bit more. Um, you know, last week they kind of just got their heads beat in, so it's hard to really judge. But before that, like he was somebody that was being involved a little bit more in the offense. Um, really had had at least four targets in every game since week seven prior to last week. But like I said, I mean, they just got smashed. So, um, I do think Alan Lazard would be the way that I would want to go. But, you know, there's some other options here. Like, you know, now that, like I said, now that Pat Mahomes is, um, this offense is kind of rolling, like, uh, Demarcus Robinson at 3,700. Andy Isabella is a complete dart throw, uh, has been getting more, uh, more work into the offense over the last at least couple of games that they've played, um, he, if you look, he played 25% of the snaps in week nine, 41% of the snaps week 10, and then 30% of the snaps week 11 in San Francisco, running a little bit more routes, 7, 15, and 9. But you kind of see that big play potential with him where he had that, you know, 88-yard touchdown. He also had set a three catches for 78 yards against Tampa Bay. Um, you know, not fantastic numbers, but I think that he's somebody that could pop off if you're really looking for a cheap option in the, you know, in the 3K range. Um, again, would be kind of a dart throw. But the other one that I think that I don't think anybody's going to talk about this week that I think that people should be talking about, and that's Zay Jones at 3,600. Hunter Renfro has already been ruled out in this game. You know, I, I think that I think that's going to open up more targets for him. And with what should be a a high or um, you know a team that's going to have to be playing cash up and throw the ball a ton. Zay Jones at 3,600 without Hunter Renfro, who was starting to get more and more involved in the offense and starting to become kind of a key part of that offense. But now without Renfro, like Zay Jones at 3,600, I think is at least interesting because if you look at, you know, Hunter Renfro, he had five, six, five, and seven targets the last four weeks. I think that you could easily see or you could see where Zay Jones could easily get up into six, seven target range. And if he does at 3,600, you know, I think that's at least interesting. Yeah, no, def- definitely uh, didn't even know about r- the Renfro injury. So that is crucial uh, news to be uh, discussed here on the DJ Nation pod. Kev, is there anything else that you have at wide receiver before we move to tight end? No, um, not really. I mean, I think I think we pretty much hit on all the ones that uh, that I would be the most interested in. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you want to take a shot maybe on, uh, you know, d- this Delvin Hodges kid uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, we'll, we'll be out there. There's no Juju. There's no Connor. So if you want to take a shot on James Washington or, you know, Deontay Johnson um, at their respective prices, I'm not even sure where they are right now. Let me pull it up real quick just to paint the picture. But you got James Washington at 5,000. So Deontay at 4,500. I'd probably go Deontay in that uh, scenario just to save the money. Um, complete dart throws is you just, you know, never know. And I agree with you, Kev, it should be um, a fairly ugly game, low scoring game, but those guys are in a position just because of the volume they should be expected to see. Kev, let's move it on to tight end. And as always with tight end, you know, I think this week though, especially uh, we have more playable options that are up at the top where we're used to seeing, you know, one or two high price guys and the rest are cheap. So, Kev, let's real quickly just talk about who our favorite plays are here. Uh, for me, 
Um, I'm looking at Jack Doyle first and foremost. Eric Ebron's been ruled out. There's no T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Jacoby Brissett will be out there leaning on the tight end position. Jack Doyle's 3,300. I don't think anything else needs to be said. I mean, he he's going to be involved and he's he's going to have chances and opportunities. He comes in at 3,300, uh, locking him in into cash games. I love him in GPPs as well, too, um, because the price tag is, is just so nice. Um the other guy I wanted to touch on, Kevin, I know it's not going to be a favorable matchup, but like Mark Andrews at 5,700, I, I want to give uh, I want to give some exposure to Lamar Jackson. And I think the only way I'm going to be able to do that is through Mark Andrews. He's on the field when he's on the field. He's seeing catches. And I, I just love this from a tournament perspective, because I think most people are going to be looking at. Um, how how he's disappointed over the next couple, past couple of weeks and just paying up to get to George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Uh, but then, you know, if Zach Ertz plays, um, I am going to have some Carson Wentz exposure. So that's going to be my stack that I go with is Carson Wentz and Ertz. Um, Ertz is just so dynamic and dominant um, in this in this offense uh, when he's out there. And with the Q tag, it is a hamstring uh, so definitely something to monitor, but if he's out there, that's where I want to go. Kev, what's the you at the tight end position? Yeah, I think like, like we kind of already talked about, uh, Travis Kelsey, if he can figure out a way to get to him at 7,200, um, I'm all about that, but it is going to be tough to get up to him with some of the plays that we want to get in. But if you can, um, you know, like he is certainly, um, very viable. He has crushed the Raiders in his career. And so, you know, if you feel like that, I think he could be solid leverage off of a Tyreek Hill who um, I would kind of treat him as I throw him into the wide receiver mix if I could, because I just think that there's uh, ways to get him. And he has that 20 to 30 point upside that most tight ends on the slate don't really have. Um, you know, past that, you know, with Hunter Renfro out, I do think that may help uh, Darren Waller a little bit more. So 5,500, he really hasn't been that explosive tight end that we once uh, that we saw earlier in the year that was really going off. But I think that this could be a spot for him to kind of bounce back a little bit more and become much more involved. Uh, Ryan Griffin at 4,300, the dude continues to play well. Um, you know, he had you know what, 10.3 last, it wasn't really what we were looking for, you know, in terms of uh, overall, but I think, but they, again, this was a game where they just smashed the Raiders and they didn't really have to throw the ball that much. So he's become one of um, Sam Darnold's favorite targets. They just extended him to a big contract. So Ryan Griffin is a, is a player that I love past that. Like, I think uh, there's two other ones. Well, Jack Doyle is in a fantastic spot. The splits without Eric Ebron is elite. And I think that he is going to be peppered with targets. So 3,300 Jack Doyle is really, really, hard to get rid of, but I think he's also going to be really, really popular. The other one is uh, Tyler Higby. Um, without Gerald Everett in the lineup, uh, you know, the flow chart has said all year to play tight ends against uh, Arizona, right? It's just been the spot. Now, you know, we don't have Gerald Everett in this offense. $2,500 Tyler Higby is going to be really, really hard at nut minimum to not play him um, and to not have a lot of him. Because he could end up, uh, you know, with what I think, I think it's fair to guess that maybe three to four targets, 40 to, you know, 30 to 40 yards and a touchdown. He does that at 2,500, you know, you are happy as can be. So at 3,500 and the minimum or 2,500 nut minimum against the probably the best matchup on the entire slate for a tight end. Yeah, I don't know how you get away. I don't know how you get uh, away from that. 
No, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out, Kev. Definitely uh, missed that and have been saying that Gerald Everett is uh, is out. So he's definitely, I mean, the minimum, that's ridiculous. Uh, I love him on, on DK and FanDuel alike. Um, we saw him, uh, saw six targets last week. He actually ran uh, 18 routes as well compared to Everett's nine. So, uh, you know, Higby's definitely in a great spot. He's a, he's a cash game lock. Um as well. So let's move on to defense, Kev, and, and real quick, maybe just talk about, um, you know, where where you're uh, looking to go here. For me, um, I think it's going to be I, I hate that they're at the top, but the Panthers are just such a good defense, so aggressive and get sacks. Dwayne Haskins has really shown me nothing um, to trust. And, and I hate paying up for defense, but the Panthers are just I, I just love them so much. Uh, in this spot that I'm going to try and start there and then see what else I can do. Um, I would like to go Pittsburgh, but, uh, you know, against Cleveland, they're 3,500. I probably just pay up to go against Carolina because Cleveland's um, Cleveland's come on strong uh, as of recently. Uh, the the Chiefs decav, we're looking at them at 2,700, the Browns at 26. I mean, these these two defenses are, are well within play, uh, in my opinion. Um, as some of the bottom two on on uh, DraftKings, I, I, the Chiefs at home, twenty seven hundred. It feels too cheap. Um, you know, Derek Carr has been struggling the past couple of weeks. I think they can, you know, get you to seven or eight points in a twenty seven hundred. You're you're feeling good about that. Same with the Browns. I mean, the Browns are on the road. Uh, no Miles Garrett, but you know, this is going to be uh, an ugly game. And they put up sixteen the last time they faced Pittsburgh. Um, so with the backup to the backup quarterback going out there, uh, the Browns are, are just way too cheap, I think. So those if I'm paying down, those are the first two defenses I'm looking at. Kev, what say you? Yeah, so I completely agree with the Chiefs at 2,700. Um, you know, I, it's weird to see the, the Bengals at 2,800 that are more expensive than they are. But I, I, so, so in some ways, it makes a little bit of sense because the – the Jets, I think, are what I just I was just looking at. I think they're number two in adjusted set. Yeah, uh, adjusted sack rate. They're number two. Uh, they're allowing sacks among for that offensive line. That offensive line is terrible. So I, I don't think it's a terrible play to play if you wanted to go Cincinnati here in this matchup. But I'm really starting with for me. I, I think the Eagles are are definitely in play against Miami. Um, Thirty six hundred. That defense is one of the best in the league. Um, and so yeah, I. For me, it's the Eagles, it's the it's it's the Bengals a little bit, but it's definitely the Chiefs. I'm gonna have the most exposure to them, especially whenever they have players like Bacall Hardman returning kicks, who can easily turn or, or who can who can take a punt to the house, um, house call one. If I was gonna pay down for that, you know that that super cheap defense just to kind of get something in, I think a few different places. If you wanted to do it, would be like maybe the Giants at 1900. Um, and then, you know, I think the Cardinals at 23 wouldn't be awful if I was wanting to pay all the way down. Or the Redskins at 2,500 is another one. You know, and then, you know, the Browns, I guess, at 2,600 with Pittsburgh, with all the injuries they have. I guess that is one that I that we should probably, that I, that I should have much higher. Because, I mean, when you think about it with Duck Hodges and his, what, third game that he's going to be playing in with no Juju, no James Conner. You know, they still have their offensive line, but they are, I believe they're still going to be missing Pouncey. So, you know, and again, I guess it's going to be a revenge spot. They'll, they will get Larry Ogunjobi back in this uh, on that defense. So I know there's going to be some pride here for this game, but Browns 2,600 could, uh, could wreck shop at that price tag. 
it's it's crazy the price on them uh comparatively real quick to have just a fan duel they're their fifth highest price defense on FanDuel at 4600 the highest price is 5000 so just to put it in perspective so definitely feels like a misprice here on DraftKings for the Browns and I and I definitely like getting exposure to them uh Kev that's week that's week 13 uh for the people in the nutshell here we're almost at the 90 minute mark so that means it's time to do our week 13 main build here on DraftKings but guys you know always thanks for listening along and and if you like the if you like the pod you like what you're hearing please wait rate and review us uh on iTunes uh you know, you can get us on Stitcher. Uh, StreamYard's been great to us this year, so we love that we're able to get you the video content here uh, through Periscope, through YouTube, uh, through the channel. So appreciate all the love, guys, and, and everything. Uh, get into that free Slack chat by DMing uh, the DGen Nation pod or DMing Kev at Fantasy Rat 13, and we want to get you in that free Slack chat so we can get you guys into the Week 13 uh, DraftKings Listener League builds um that kev will be making live and then also uh you know we'll just talking we're just talking shop talking shop going into sunday's games um all tonight and and tomorrow as well so make sure you guys uh you know hit us up if you want to be involved in that all right kev we got the build the millies back twenty dollars a million to first we got to start it off kev why don't you go ahead start us off and let us know where we are starting with our build for this week 13. Uh, well, oh man, let's go. Let's go. Andy Dalton, 4,700. All right, here we go. Uh, so if we're playing Andy Dalton there, uh, let's go to left bell and get some exposure there with him at 7,200, uh, to get the exposure there. Cause I do like bell more than the receivers, uh, in this matchup, which might be. We're going to get a little weird then. I'm going to play Christian McCaffrey at 10-5. All right, let's go. So Christian McCaffrey at 10-5, which leaves us 4,600 per player left. Uh, we're playing Andy Dalton. We got to get exposure to Auden Tate. So I'm going to throw him in at 3,800 uh, for our first receiver. All right. And then I want exposure. I want to get some exposure to that. Rams game. So let's go ahead. I'm going to play Brandon Cooks at 5,200. Cooks at 52. Um, I'm going to make it easy on us and let's just lock in Higby as well at 2,500, which which now opens up 53.66 per player. And we have a wide receiver flex by in defense. Kev's concocting his mastermind build, seeing what what we can do with the remaining salary and spots we have left. I'm gonna see what we can do here. Actually, I think we can get a little aggressive, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in at defense to see what we can do on the rest of it. I'll lock in the Browns at 26. All right, so we got Browns going in at 2600, which leaves us 67 per position. Uh, I mean, we talked about it, Kev, uh, with these wide receivers. I think they're in a good spot. So let's go with Mike Evans, who's the cheaper of the two, at 69, and hope that he can be one of the highest scoring players on the slate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I wanted to. I, I, I didn't know what you were going to try and get there. I was going to lock in uh, Travis Kelsey, but. What's he? Oh, he's 72. Three. So 500, 600. So I just feel like not having any Chiefs exposure could be uh, a death nail. But. Well, we have Hig, we have Higby. We could look. We get. Oh, I don't like to go on two tight ends. 
I don't mind it on this one. I feel like I, because I, I, like I said, when I, I just look at Travis Kelsey as a, you know, as a, I want, you can look at him as a wide receiver in my opinion, especially against Oakland at home. But it's fine. We're good. What happens if we take out if we play take out Cooks and Higby play Kelsey? That's thirty five hundred left per. You'd have to get real. Yeah, um, it, 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 I, I mean, even though Kelsey is essentially a wide receiver. Well, let's do. Well, why don't we do this? I have no problem with doing it. So let's let's stay with let's let, let's stay with Higby. I know we don't love run double tight ends. Like I said, I, I look at Kelsey more like a wide receiver. You run Higby, and then that leaves you forty six hundred dollars for a wide receiver, which I think you feel probably better about. Or, and if you wanted to, you could always pivot off that because they both play in the three o'clock slate. So you could always pivot off of Kelsey, drop down to you know another tight end, or move uh, Higby up into the 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 flex, and then uh, flex or pivot off of that. No, for sure. So uh, we got 4,600. Uh, we got Chris Conley here. We got Hardman. We got Erickson. Uh, what are you thinking? Or we paid down on, we could do Arizona D and Sterling Shepard. You know what? Let's go, let's go Chris Conley. Chris Conley. I like that. I like that a lot. So for those of you guys who are following along or if, in case you weren't, uh, <clears throat> the week 13 main build is going to be Andy Dalton, Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey, Auden Tate, Chris Conley, Mike Evans, Tyler Higby, Travis Kelsey, uh, the Browns D. We have $100 left in salary um, there, but we'll be monitoring those three o'clock games as both Higby and Kelsey go late so we can see how our team's looking, figure out what we're going to do. And that, as we submit it in and we're in for the Millie Maker, that is going to do it for the Week 13 main slate. Thank you guys so much for listening uh, along with us here at the DJ Nation. DJ Nation Pod gave you two uh Two reasons to be thankful this week, as we had the Thanksgiving slate earlier this week uh, with Derek and Maddie from the TQE. And then uh, main slate here we have um, as well in, in hopes that we can take down these GPPs, uh, build on our build on the winnings from Thanksgiving, build on the winnings from all year, build that bankroll up and uh, and, and hopefully do well in, in these cash and, and tournaments lines as uh, we got a fun and interesting slate that we have here, Kev. But that's going to be it. For us here at the DJ Nation pod, as we said, rate and review the pod. Uh, if you so, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, get alerts for when we go live on the channel. And then hit up the DJ Nation pod or Kevin at Fantasy Route 13 to get into our free, that's right, free Slack chat um, where we're talking plays every every week, every day, every slate. Um, it's been a lot of fun over there uh, at the DJ Nation Slack show. So hit us up and we appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys in the chat or we'll catch you next week for the week 14 podcast as we only got a couple, couple more slates left before we get into the playoffs, but we'll be here all season long, all throughout the playoffs, talking the slates. It's the DJ nation signing off for Kevin at fantasy rat 13 and myself, Ryan Williams at Ryan Alexander underscore W it's the DJ nation. We'll see y'all. Peace. Think you can tell me what to do? You know who you're talking to? But you better get used to the